This episode is brought to you by Tarkine. Tarkine produces the world's most eco-friendly, high-performance running shoes. Along with this, they take responsibility for the full life cycle of their shoes. Tested on elite runners. Suitable for anyone who cares about the planet, comfort and style. Tarkine. Hashtag run the future. Now available at Tarkine.com. Use code RTPODCAST for 10% off your first order. G'day guys, I'm your host Dan Wallace and on this episode of the Runners Tribe podcast I'm joined by Australian 1500 meter champion Jai Edwards. Jai joined me from Perisher in Australia's snowy mountains where he is currently at training camp with coach Dick Telford and other members of his training group Team Telford. It was great to catch up with Jai and get a bit of an insight into how he has bounced back from an incredible season that included a 3.49 mile to go third on the all-time list for Australia. We chat about some of his injuries and current approach to training, what it's like to race at some of the biggest events in the world, having barely raced over the last few years, and life as a new pro having recently signed a contract with Adidas. As you'll no doubt come to realise pretty quickly, Jai is a very laid-back guy and definitely one of the good guys of the sport. So without further delay, Here's my conversation with Australian champion, Jai Edwards. I'm hot spotting as well. Yeah, right. Oh, good. We're running similar similar <laughs> setups, different part, parts of the world. How is it up yeah. there, mate? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, been up, what, just over two weeks now. So, um, no, nah, it's been good. I was, I was pretty injured uh, back in Canberra and sort of decided to come up. Wasn't sure how things would go, but um, gotten back to the running pretty smoothly, which has been good. Who's up there with you? Uh, we got, well, JJ just left today. He's doing ACT champs or something. Got Rory and Parker. Um, Leanne's up here too. Um, Big Dick and Katie as well. So it's not bad. Who's on cooking duties? Cooking duties? Um, we kind of just pair up. I, I shove it off to Rory. I'm shit. I like, <laughs> I'm just like a, a basic man who, who cooks basic stuff. So, um, yeah, nothing, nothing too good about that. I, I just pass it over to Rory. I said, "Mate, I'll do the dishes." Working class feeds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you so what? What? What were you? Um, what was? What was wrong, like injury wise? Because it's been what, like five, six months since Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Had... So, um, no, it was weird actually because I obviously we come. I come back and had quarantine, then had a bit of a holiday. Um, in, in Queensland and then I I sort of just gradually got back to the running. Everything was going really well, uh, back up to some decent mileage and then it was almost overnight. Um, I had like a, I think I trained the Thursday, I was fine. Went for a jog Friday, my hip was just a bit stiff. Um, did a session Saturday, just really, really struggled through it and then by Saturday half I just couldn't walk. Um, it turned out I had a stress reaction in my femur in the neck of it, which I've had um, three years ago in the other leg. So that was, that was pretty weird, but, um, and then, yeah, then just from there, I could barely walk for, for a while. And it was, even though it was a, a stress reaction, it was classed as a low grade on the scan, but it just lingered for, for ages. And, um, it was probably there for about 10 weeks and then finally got sort of, you know, a bit of improvement. It just was so gradual. And, um, once I was sort of able to run again, uh, which was probably, three or four weeks ago um sort of slowly come back but yeah it was just a pretty frustrating one because it 
lingered like nothing else. That's a long time for a low-grade stressy. Yeah, yeah, that was my thinking. Like it was, it was pretty bizarre. It it, it came on really quick because I thought stress is normally, you know, there's a bit of repeated stress. Maybe there's that sort of lingering ache for a bit, but it was almost within thirty six hours it come on, and then um, yeah, ten weeks, and I got the scan. There was just barely anything on the scan, which had me scratching my head a bit. But um, yeah, it was a long, long time for it sort of went away, and even sort of coming back to the running, it just had that tiny bit there, which um it's took taken a while to sort of get rid of but i think now i'm kind of coming out the other side finally had you done anything in quarantine because like that's i mean how shit is that two weeks in a box you're not moving around you're not like you're probably seizing up for a couple of weeks oh absolutely have you done it yeah i did it yeah yeah this time this time last year i was in it yeah it sucks eh? like it's 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 so weird too because you go from somewhere like you know almost the the peak of your life in like the Olympics and then you know within forty eight hours later not even twenty four hours later you just locked up in a hotel for two weeks and I think the worst part for us was just like having no fresh air um, that really cooked me for some yeah. reason um, yeah I had a bike but no no running which yeah that fried me for a while and it was probably good to to rest the legs but. Um, yeah, that was a, definitely a tough two weeks. And I reckon I'd love to see sort of some sort of data because I reckon there's definitely correlation between quarantine and then people coming back and getting injured. I know Parker Parker had a, a week quarantine, maybe even five days, and um, and he, his first or second run out, he, he turned his Achilles. So I don't know. I mean, this is about you, not me. But <laughs> a few days after I got out, like I, I was injured for ages. Oh, really? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Was that last I year? I don't know what it was. Yeah. yeah. Um and their fresh air, like it can't be understated. Like it feels like you're still on the plane. Yeah. You're just an air conditioning the whole time. Oh yeah, it's horrible. So you had the same. You didn't yeah. have an open window or anything. No, it's a good thing I didn't because I probably would have thrown myself out of it if I could have. <laughs> yeah, fucking no. Oh, it was grim, I'll tell you. Like Oh, I know. I know Jeff. Like Jeff Riser, he was struggling something chronic. He's had issues in the past, and yeah, I don't think anyone did it easy. But fuck, it's a long two weeks. Yeah, I know. I I wish I'd had some like Valium or something to get through. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. You're at altitude, so if you've, it's a pretty good um, bang for your buck. Then if you've been out for a while, not that like getting quote-unquote fit quick is a ever a super smart idea but you can definitely kind of get more bang for your buck up and perish here yeah yes is that kind of the plan yeah yeah that's kind of the the plan like um i realized last year being perish is so accessible for us because it's only two hours up the road and we made use of that last year before nationals i think we came up three times maybe even four um and we even did a five-day stint about a week before nationals, which that was, you know, Professor Telford's theory, and um, it obviously seemed to work. So, and that's the other thing I've, I've come up here now, and I've just adapted so well. Like I normally I sleep terrible my first night, but um, I was out like a light um, this time around, and just adapted really well running. So, uh, but you're spot on. I think it just it's kind of just fast forwards that process and. Um, generally I'm pretty good with getting back. So I cross train pretty hard. I'd, I'd say like, um, yeah, this 10 weeks, I've probably, 
averaged, you know, close to two hours a day of cross training, um, which you know, it, it absolutely sucks. But um, yeah, just been just been working hard and trying to get it get it done. It just makes that transition easier. So uh, that part I'm not too worried about. It's just more my body trying to catch up. And is that on the bike been, or something? Mainly bike. Yeah, I've I've done a lot in the pool pool running. Most days I'll do sort of an hour in the pool and then an hour on the bike and sort of as I got on, I could do a bit more elliptical and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, just sort of mix it around. But even up here at Perisher, I'm, I'm uh, running basically once a day, but even for doubles, we might just get out for a, you know, a walk over some of the hills and you get the heart rate up still at altitude, as you'd know. So, Telford um, rates a walk too. Loves a walk. Yep. Even loves a walk. Shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. Has that kind of been the plan though? Like, if you can't, because you're not a massive miles guy, obviously, but you can still get the hard work in and kind of make up that aerobic capacity by the by cross training and that kind of stuff. Yeah, spot on. Like, it's over the last you know five years. Obviously, for me, it's been a struggle to get the consistent training in and. Um, you know, I've slowly got myself up to a decent level mileage-wise. When I say decent, that's probably no more than about 120K a week, which with middle distance running really isn't that high. It's probably on the low side. But, um, yeah, it's it's something that we've had to play around with a fair bit, and we did that overseas quite a bit. But now I'm sort of at a stage where my body doesn't seem to be coping. So I think I'm definitely going to have to utilize the cross-training a lot more with my training and if that means just limiting myself to once a day and doing all the rest on the bike, elliptical, pull, whatever, um, as much as it sucks, it's probably, you know, might even be a way to go at least for this year and, and see how that goes. Um, but yeah, obviously we're, we're trying different things and um, it's hard to, to find the right sort of the right style of training exactly because um, you can't sort of keep doing the same thing, expect different results. But Hopefully, as my body sort of grows older and matures a bit, um, I'll get a bit more resilience and uh, be able to get more of that fitness, like that 3K, 5K side that I've sort of lacked a bit. Could, yeah, because what I like to remember when I first came to Canberra and you'd either be not running at all or in like unbelievable shape and you'd get injured and you'd fuck off back home for a while and then someone would see on Strava that you'd done like a three, four K run around an oval. And then a few days later, you're back in Canberra smashing some Ks. And it was like this cycle, obviously of kind of fitness and frustration, but then there was almost this like perfect storm with COVID where you could be like a professional athlete almost. Is that, like, I don't want to ask you if there's one thing that happened, but there's got to be some stuff that clicked in place to to go from that jog around the Oval to, to Tokyo. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, I think I've, I have been pretty lucky in the past. Like, I've been sort of, I'm one that uh, could come back pretty quick. And I think, you know, as I said before, the, the cross training is a big part of that, especially more physiologically. Um, I think it's more the body catching up. Uh, that's the, the tough part for me, but um, yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to be able to come back pretty quick. And um, like you said, it's sort of it's more just just load management. And once I can sort of get my load up, the the training sort of um, can can ramp up pretty quickly from there. But 
Um, yeah, I think you're right. Probably COVID was a good chance. I got a lot more unbroken training in than usual. And it was just a chance to sort of, you know, mix things around a bit. Like, um, as I said, last year we came up to Perisher uh, three or four times just before nationals within, you know, three months. Um, and that obviously just got us really fit. I, I got a pretty good run in. I still got injured. I think between January and the Olympics, I got injured still twice. Um, I had a strained calf in January, my first stint up here, and then um, I had a dodgy foot straight after nationals. But um, all things considered, they were only two or three weeks out at the time, and that was the best run of training I'd had for probably five or six years. So hmm. um, that, that's just been probably the main difference, getting a bit more consistency in. But I'm definitely lucky. I'm, most of the time, I'm able to continue cross-training and sort of keep the, the physiology at a pretty uh, respectable rate and then um, it's just more, you know, getting back to that full load again and trying to trying to get the weeks in for before I race. Getting that chassis strong. That's it. The chassis is the thing letting me down at the moment, so just need that to uh, be a bit more resilient. I'll be sweet. You're hitting the gym and stuff? Like, is there have you introduced any kind of loading protocols to help minimise some of that um, some of that damage? Yeah, definitely. I've been like a pretty, pretty big gym guy, I guess, over the years. I try and try and get that stuff in as much as possible. And, um, you know, whether there's just weaknesses in my body that I've sort of gone undetected over the years, definitely some possibilities there. I think a lot of it has stemmed from my Achilles surgery I had back in 2017. I think uh, my right heel bone that I had the got shaved down, it just was weak for a long time. And uh, I think that sort of threw me out a bit and maybe coarsened imbalances. I definitely reckon there was some correlation there um, with it, with injuries. But, um, yeah, it's just something I've, I've definitely stuck with and I definitely need to do. Um, and, and recently I've actually been with the Actas gym. Um, and I've got an S&C guy there. So hopefully that can sort of take me to another level and, and just get on top of the body, get it strong. It's sort of got that proper programming. and um yeah at the moment i'm in the gym three times a week we'll probably back it off to twice once we sort of get into the peak season but um that's definitely a big part of the training no doubt did you ever have doubts like if you go you know you ran like a four minute mile at like what 18 or 19 or something and then like we all knew that something special was going to happen but the longer it doesn't that's surely that's got to build up like did you ever talk to Telford did you ever think shit like this is you know that this isn't working or do you kind of just stay positive yeah that's a good question like it's it's pretty interesting because that again it was kind of things were going really well um as a junior like I'd progressed nicely and um, yeah, when I was 18, I ran, ran some decent times and then, um, it just all came crashing down and you do start to question like, because my body sort of repeatedly, uh, kept crashing down. It was, it was pretty tough to, um, sort of overcome that and try and try and just keep positive. And, you know, you, you get in two or three months of training and then you just break down again. It was just a repetitive cycle and you do start to question, you know, whether, whether I'm cut out for this, is, is it worth it? Um, but yeah, I was always, you know, extremely motivated. I wanted, I definitely knew that I had the potential sort of thing. Um, I believed 
that you know if I could get that training in, I'd, I'd be fine and, and that bit of resilience, and I was confident I could do that. Um, and of course, with someone like Dick Telford, you you know you, you're never in doubt with um, you know just with how smart he is and and all these training philosophies. I was just so confident in what uh, he had to offer. So. Yeah, it was, it was difficult, and I definitely doubted that I was, you know, probably close to throwing in the towel a couple of times. Like it was, it was just at that point where um, you just think, is it worth continuing on? But for me, I just sort of loved it too much. I love competing, and um, yeah, extremely uh, glad that I stuck it out. It seems you had a good, a real good balance too. It's one of the things I noticed, like before you kind of went on the start of your massive tear starting with you know um bankstown we're watching the cricket having a few denzel frothingtons and pizza like you you know what i mean like it all you you seemed relaxed on and off the track like nothing was not that you weren't taking it too seriously but yeah you, you you seemed relaxed is that did you work on anything, you know, psychological or was that just how it was going to be? Yeah, I've always kind of been like that. Like, I, you know, when it's business time, it's business time. You know, we come up here, we work hard. Um, peak season, Europe, everything, we'd, we strap down. We, you know, I think we work extremely hard as a group. Um, some of the training we get set is, is quite ridiculous. Like, all looking back at it. And there was a stage there, Telford, after Nationals, he was trying to get me fit pretty quick and, I was dead set doing sessions um, every second day. It was one part there where I was doing half sessions every day and just stuff knife like edge. that. And knife edge stuff, exactly. And it was, it's kind of that sort of risk over reward thing. But, um, you know, it's, I've always been pretty laid back. Like, when, you know, I'll enjoy my off season. I'll have a few beers. Like, it doesn't, doesn't bother me too much. Um, I think that's all part. It's, you know, it's a good chance to, to get stuck into the training and, and work really hard. But once, once to sort of switch that off button, off it's it's a good time to just wind down and relax and and really um regenerate and i've been lucky that you know it's i've um i've been able to do that over the last few years and um i really have had a good time to sort of sit back and and see that you know in three months i can get into some pretty good shape and i kind of just think well if i can get into decent shape in three months it'll be interesting to see what i can do in you know six nine twelve and and then on um so yeah it's 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 been a tough thing and and psychologically it's probably been the toughest out of anything you're you're struggling you know every day thinking um you know almost waiting for your body to to break down again but um yeah i don't think i'll ever i'll ever stop no matter the injuries i just sort of love the sport too much and particularly competing nothing nothing beats that thriller competing which i love the most i think it's interesting what you say about dick because the outside world, I think, sees him as this marathon mafia boss, you know, like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, but he actually, what, what people in the, you know, in his kind of circle know is that even though he's had a lot of success with, with marathoners, he actually like gets ultimate horn over the mile, over 1500. Like he loves yep. it. He absolutely oh, he loves yep. it. And yep. um, have you found that he, like, is it he, you've got yourself, Rory, and like, 
the nipper as well last season was in such good shape. Yep. Um, has that kind of all fed off itself and allowed for this, well, like helped facilitate this success? Because you guys have a good a good core now, and you're all like, well, you and Rory in particular. Now there's you're both training for for the fifteen hundred. There's no like mixing and matching. It's all focused. Um, has that like I don't even know what the what the question is here, but. <laughs> Have you, have you noticed that that's um, been helpful or, like, seen a change there? Yeah, no, um, I'll just start with the first part. So, as you said, with Dick being the, the big uh, marathon mafia boss, and it's funny because everyone has this sort of perception that, that Team Telford and Dick Telford, being a marathon-based coach, it's just all Ks and aerobic work and this and that, and it couldn't be further from the truth, as you probably know. Um, and the thing about Dick's training that's so great is that it is pretty, um, it can be pretty broad and particularly in, in um, you know, the strength, the strength phase of, of the season throughout winter, whatever, um, or more so the spring, we, you know, most people's programs are relatively similar, but the thing is, and Dick's, this is a, basically a quote from Dick. He said, I don't care between the Thursday and Saturday session. I don't care if you go out for 30 K's worth of jogs or lie in bed all day, just, you know, do what you got to do to recover for the next session. And that's where people's programs vary massively. Everyone talks to them individually and um, discusses that. And, you know, I've, I've been given shit from people in the past where they're like, uh, you know, basically just uh, saying we're, we're nothing but, but Ks and, and miles and all that um, throughout the week. But we really don't do that many, especially us middle distance guys. Like I said, I've, I haven't been over 100K a week that often in um, – in my career, like I've, I've done a bit around sort of 110, 120, but um, yeah, I'm definitely sort of a lower mileage guy on that, that front. But with, um, with Dick's training, it's, it's definitely um, been very helpful. Of course, you know, we, we do do a lot of strength and aerobic stuff. We have our, our stable sessions that we do. And these days I feel that the 1500 sort of mile distance in particular, it really gravitates towards having that 3K, 5K strength. Uh, there's not many races these days where it's a big sit and kick um, like Rio was, for example, in 2016 Olympics. So I think having that that strength is so important and um, the training we do is, you know, it, it really complements that that strength stuff. But it, it also, um, we, we do do that quality work in the in the summer and, and around race season to make sure we're sharp and, and quick as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a pretty perfect fit, and of course for me, it's it's still um, going to be interesting to see if I can sort of hold it together and and hopefully have a good spurt of unbroken training and, and pull it together. But um, yeah, as you said, like you know, we got got a good group of guys. We got Rory Nipper, and and last year for us was almost just a dream. We had sort of the perfect results at nationals, and um, you know, anyone who sort of has any questions or doubts about the master Telford, there's um. You know, all I need to do is just just have a look at some of his results in in some big big major comps. Yeah, well, there there is um, this perception that if you join the group, you're going to be running 220 k's a week, and the reality, I mean, if you can, he you know is a fan. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah. The, rea- the reality is he's actually a huge proponent of taking a day off, of, you know, nipping things, in the, of nipping things in the bud and, um, 
that's yeah like you said probably something that I mean for you it, it probably has to play as a massive strength having a coach that is actually more interested in you know having a he, what does he say he talks about shades of light and dark or whatever he'd rather you know you have a unreal Saturday rather than a couple of average Thursday Friday Saturday oh exactly yep yeah that's it like the sessions of course as we said are the most important parts and um yeah not many people not many people really at all do those 200k a weeks unless you know our, our good mate Cracker McCronin uh, my old roommate there's not many that can handle the training like he does but um yeah exactly right we we just sort of do our own thing and especially us middle distance guys we we uh we sort of dial it right back and the main thing is is the uh three sessions which um you know don't vary heaps between between um individuals whether training for you know 15 5 10 whatever but um it's sort of the in between and, and dick kind of just leads that up to us almost and um that's the thing like i i personally would love to do more double runs and i hate cross training but um, Dick wants me to try and sort of gravitate towards that and, and just run once a day, at least for the next few months and, and try that out. And um, I've just never sort of had more more belief in a person because I just, you know, I just know that he knows exactly what we need and um, he almost knows our bodies better than we do at times. So it's it's good to have that that trust and belief in someone. Oh, well, and you know when he's telling you something, there's no smoke. It's, he's nah. not going to blow smoke up your ass if he says you're in shape. You're in shape, and that actually leads on. I wanted to ask you about <laughs> some of the racing this past season. Like, are you 349 mile, third fastest Aussie now. When Before like a race like that, are you talking time goals with Dick, or is it just about going out as hard as you can and seeing – what can happen? Because I know, even though if he doesn't say it, he can normally predict what a lot of athletes are going to run, even if he doesn't say it. So was there any com- convos like that before the race? Uh, yeah, not really. Like, I mean, we obviously had goals in our mind and, and I didn't really talk to him time-wise about it, but my sort of, uh, I wanted to run around that 350 mark, of course. I thought I was kind of capable um the best, the best possible result, which is what it was, was to run sub three fifty. Um, but of course, it all depends how the race goes. And funnily enough, I, you know, I was stoked with with that race, but it didn't go absolutely perfectly. I sort of sort of got um, caught on the rail early and then and shuffled towards the back, and I had a lot of work to do in the last eight hundred meters. And um, yeah, even though I was stoked with the you know the time and the race, it, it still wasn't perfect. And I know that. Um, there was definitely another second or so there if I could have could have hit it right, but um, you know that's still a lot of positives to take away. And um, you know, you know, a race like a Diamond League, you sort of in my first one too, you don't you don't get that respect unless you've been on the circuit for a while. And you know, they see this weedy little Australian kid on the rail, they just give you the the shoulders and shuffle you back real quick. And I found that out pretty quick, smart. So, um, but yeah, no, we didn't really like. There's sort of that. I guess silent um, expectation that we know roughly what what we want to do and what we want to get out of it. And um, again, you know the the quality of the field. Yakabinga Britain about a day before got ruled out, and I was like, oh, that's good. But it makes my job a little bit easier. Um, 
you know, you know we know we've got Stewie and the pace is going to be hot. And um, I would have liked to have been a bit closer to the front after 800. And unfortunately, that wasn't quite the case. But um, yeah, look, it was, it went, you know, pretty well, all, all things considered. And um, I know Dick was pretty stoked with that. So I think that probably exceeded his expectations. Um, oh, and just on your other point as well about his, his predictions, he's freakishly good at that. The amount of times, as you'd know, the amount of times he's predicted things, um, almost to to the second for, for people is, is pretty incredible. Um, were you able to, how far in advance did you know you were doing like Bislett or Monaco? Because there, it's kind of common that a lot of athletes, you know, will get chucked in last minute or there's not that certainty. Did you know kind of, did you have a decent amount of time? Yeah, good question. I can't even remember exactly. I think I had I had decent time um, from memory because we went over we went over sort of late May, I think it was, um, and Rory was already over in Europe, and we sort of teed up and met in Font-Rameau. And I kind of had, I think I knew early on when I was back in Australia, probably probably a few weeks after nationals that I'd been accepted, um, and. Yeah, that was obviously like great. That was something to look forward to. And I had two sort of lower key meets in France um, in the lead up, one at one at Nice and one in Lyon, which were two good races that sort of, you know, sharpened me up. We kind of used them as training stimulus down at sea level after being up on the mountain for, for a while. And um, they were pretty perfect. I think I ran two 334s. Um, and the second one was good. It was sort of 334 low, but in some pretty blowy conditions. So I kind of knew I was in shape. and. You just sort of know with, with the sessions you're doing, um, you know, training probably better than I ever was. And um, in saying that, there's a lot of unknowns and, and um, unpredictables in there. But, um, yeah, definitely had a good amount of time to sort of know what was going on. And um, the Diamond Leagues were just, yeah, a whole nother level. Like, just phenomenal races. It's definitely the most fun races I've ever done. Um, personally, you just get looked after so well as well you're treated like king which we're just not used to back here you don't get don't get much in australia so um that was pretty pretty awesome is it um so nick was sorting you out into races yeah did that correct. all happen quite quickly after nationals because i assume leading into nationals that's your only focus basically that's yep. the that's the big one in terms of olympic trials and then from there, did you kind of map that season out with him leading up to Tokyo? Yeah, exactly right. It was, it was kind of weird how everything went because um, in sort of Gen Feb last year, I I had no intentions of anything really. I was I was just doing the domestic season. Um, I come down off off Parish and ran three thirty seven in in Canberra, and I knew you know about two and a half seconds off a qualifier. I thought. I thought given the, the prep I've had and sort of doing a lot like a run last 500 off the front, I thought there's a chance, you know, it could be thereabouts, but I still didn't really think like Tokyo was still a long way away. I wasn't really thinking about it. And then um, the, the season just sort of snowballed and then it just went from one week to the next. I went to Melbourne, ran two races, um, got within half a second of Box Hill and you sort of think, geez, like this is a lot more realistic now. Um, Nationals was obviously a bit of a dream and, got pretty lucky there to not only um, win, but, but get the time as well for the auto. So um, until that happened, I, I didn't really have any plans at all. I don't even think I was 
I probably would have thought about going over to Europe, of course, but um, the plans just changed completely. And then that's when we sort of got in touch with Nick. And um, I think after that, he, he pretty much said, like, you know, you, you'll be able to get, I'm confident you'll be accepted into um, some good diamond leagues at least. And, and I was still pretty shocked, like, after that to to go from sort of nothing and not, not even that many domestic races to straight overseas into two of the, well, in my opinion, two of the best diamond leagues on the circuit. It was uh, pretty incredible and, and all kind of happened so quick. It was like three seasons crammed into one. Like, yeah. It all, yeah. It was yeah. a condensed version of what most people would do over yep. three, four years of, of Europe building up to a Monaco and you're just bang straight, <laughs> straight into it. Well, that was it. Like, I'd, I'd barely even raced domestically sort of in the last three years. Like, maybe less than half a dozen races, including Camber Interclubs and stuff like that. And and then, yeah, this season just rolls in. And I think it was December, as we said, I, I ran Albie Thomas and, you know, got under four minutes. And you're still, you know, you're thinking, oh, you know, maybe I can run sub 340, get a good PB, whatever. And I'm just not even really thinking about it. just trying to run quick domestically. But one just leads to the next to the next and everything just snowballs, falls into place. It's, it's crazy how quickly things can happen and, and change. From Bankstown to Bislett pretty quickly. <laughs> Bankstown to Bislett, that's it. <laughs> What's so the – um, do you have a plan – I know you've kind of coming back from the, the FEMA and stuff, but do you, do you have a any sort of roadmap for races for the next kind of six months or so? Um, uh, uh, we sort of started mapping it out. Of course, Nationals is a pretty big one, and I always find – it's hard um, in Australia having nationals kind of so early in you know late March, early April, and then you sort of have to try and re-peak if you're going to world majors in July and August. That's always pretty difficult to do. And obviously the focus being on the middle of the year, but you still want to be running as well as you can at nationals. Um, yeah, but for me right now, you know, I still have a lot of work to do, a lot, of, a lot more training to get done before then. And Hopefully, I can time things pretty well for nationals. Um, I don't really have any intention of doing much domestically only because I don't think I'll be in great shape. Um, but hopefully, I can get into some decent nick by sort of mid-March, get a, a race or two in um, before nationals and and then go from there. And that'll sort of springboard into the European season where I think we're going to plan on going over maybe early to mid-May. Um, there's plenty of races, obviously, to choose from. We've We've kind of... Uh, set up a few and got a bit of a brainstorm happening. Um, me and Rory recently joining at us. We have to be over in Boston around early June for the Boston Boost, um, which will be good fun. And if that's scheduled to go ahead on about the 12th, we've been told of June, and then Oslo is only four days later. So um, I'm definitely going to try and get in that one without a doubt. Um, my current manager. James Templeton's pretty confident with that. And um, and then, yeah, from there, hopefully another, you know, couple of diamond leagues. So I was thinking about possibly Doha. It's always quick. Um, I'm not sure. Of course, just, you know, whatever I can get can get into, that'd be fantastic. But, um, yeah, if I can sort of get some good races in, at least a couple domestically. I think there's even a, a Brisbane track classic after nationals. So, get some good times in sort of domestically, get over to Europe and then just try and run as quick as possible and hopefully get on the one of those teams, um, either World Champs or Com Games. Hey, that's great news about um, 
signing with Addy. That's did that come about like obviously pretty soon after the Olympics, or has that um, taken a bit longer? Yeah, it was kind of kind of relatively after. Like we we were in talks, of course, and um, you know we had a, we had a decent year overseas, and, and we got talking to, to James Templeton, who we've now joined um, as our manager, and. He sort of he's been phenomenal, and um, he sort of got me and Rory a, a bit of a, a deal there with with Addy post Olympics, and um, of course, you know, we weren't too sure of of how that would all work would all work out. But um, after talks, and and he sort of worked his magic, we were able to get uh, a pretty good gig with them, which we're both absolutely stoked about. Never been never been sponsored before, so well, not properly anyway. Um, so yeah, to have that support is just awesome, and and you know, sort of now can train properly like elite athletes. Don't really have to worry about work, and we can sort of travel and, and do our altitude camps and, and Europe and all that. Um, that's going to be awesome, and I just hope that can sort of take us to the next level once we get overseas. Oh, James, you're following in the footsteps of Legart. Yeah, he looked after for yeah, yeah. He did, Legart yeah, with Addy, you'll have Kiwi Jason Stewart making your spikes oh, for yep. you. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have to get us in touch. He's a spike man, is he? Yeah, he knows what he's Perfect. doing. Um, Good stuff. So that's that. That's that's um that's awesome though. That that's huge, especially with with you and Rory. I mean, a bit of a package deal there. You guys, um, so much more sustainable. If you guys can both, you know, be doing that together. Yeah, no, exactly. We kind of got a little bit of a, um, I guess, a mini mini group deal with the the pair of us, and it kind of um, as part of that, we're sort of going to set up our a bit of a, like, I guess, a training base in um, in Germany in, in Tübingen, um, which is where Legat used to do a lot of his training back in the day. We found out, and we spent some time only a week over there last year with um, Pete Boll and, and Jeff Risley and. And Ed Trippers pre-Olympics, and that was that was unreal. Um, just to sort of have that have that network um, over in Germany, beautiful country. You got some great sea level training in prior to Tokyo, and um, yeah, again to have that that support this year, which is something both of us have sort of lacked over the years. It's it's going to be huge, and I think it'll play a massive part um, in our training and racing. Yeah, Legat lived there for a. I think he like had an apartment and. Stuttgart or something. He had a he his BMW that he's got. He had it shipped over from from Germany. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah well. Um. Oh, you have to say good. You'll be saying goodbye to the to the Telford singlet then. No more. Yes, I know. The big the the well made Telford singlet by by Dan Wallace, <laughs> limited edition. Oh, mate, that was our favourite singlet for sure. We all loved it. Like it was so comfy. Dick was, was very so embarrassed. He was. He hated it. Yeah. Yeah, he he wasn't he was embarrassed. I never saw him. I never saw him wear his. But um, no, no, it's the writing. Of, the writing was too big. He said, "Too modest." The writing was his writing. Was too yeah, big. yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. It's been um, it's been awesome to catch up to um, to find out about the contract too. That that's amazing because it's hard. It's hard for Aussies, eh? Like to to be able to do that for a living. So that's really exciting. I, I'm, um, I hope that, that, 
you know helps you kick on more because that's 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 huge yeah thanks mate no that was that was a huge thing for us and um as you know it is it is tough to get gigs like that and i think especially living in australia like i'd pre pre sort of olympics i'd had talks and um one of them to get sponsored a, a big part of it was uh possibly moving overseas to to, to have a better chance of getting sponsored, which I was never keen on doing given the setup we got here. So um, very fortunate that, uh, you know, got that sorted with, with Templeton and, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, some successful years to come with Addy. Awesome. All right, mate. Catch up again soon. Unreal. Thanks, East, mate. See you soon.